Hey, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We'll be right back with today's guest, but we want to give a shout out to our partners, We Coach, a global community of women in high school sports, Florida Coaches Coalition, and Vital Signs Wall of Fame. You've heard me say before, these are organizations that you need to have in your network. Now, don't hit that fast forward button. Stay with us for three minutes. Take a listen to our sponsorship shout outs, including a brand new sponsor. This is the first time we've had him on the show. Take a listen. Hey, I want to encourage you to go to district1.com for a better uniform experience. That's district followed by W-O-N. And you'll really feel like you've won because District 1 offers you fully custom premium uniforms, one-at-a-time replacements, so there's no need to ever replace a full set of uniforms just because you need one or two, and on-time delivery in 20 business days or less. Stop dealing with late deliveries and visit district1.com. Again, that's W-O-N on the back end. Click the Team Gear button for your free quote. That's district1.com. We also want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. Go to hometownticketing.com. They're going to show you how to sell your tickets online, not just for your athletic events, but things like school plays, concerts, dances, even graduation. And the best part, every step of the way, you'll have a dedicated client success manager that's providing you hands-on support. That's every step of the way. Go to hometownticketing.com right now. Simple and easy online ticketing. We also want to say thanks to Snap Mobile. Snap Mobile is the parent company for an entire suite of platforms designed to help you as an athletic director do your job better. Snapraise.com is the website. Go to snapraise.com. You can check out all the platforms, but Snapraise is the fundraising platform. We used it at our school with great success, and so can you. They even have a program where you get your funding before you actually start your fundraiser. I don't think anybody else does that. Go to snapraise.com. Check them out today. That's snapraise.com. We also want to thank Gipper. Branding and social media is what it's all about today. And Gipper is going to show you how to create world-class content for your school social media channels. Promote your athletes, your teams, your program. You can do it all at gipper.com. Use our podcast code ADPOD10 and you'll get 10% off. That's gipper.com. Check them out today. We also want to say thanks to Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. The Wall of Fame is actually a interactive touchscreen video console that's going to highlight your school's top performers, both past and present, but it's so much more than that. Wall of Fame is also an extensive content program that helps you tell more compelling stories to better engage your audience. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Check out their great products. And when you're ready to buy, use the link vitalsignswalloffame.com slash Jake for a nice little discount. Check them out today. Vital Signs Wall of Fame. Bring your school's legacy to life. We also want to say thanks to Huddle. Go to huddle.com and change the way you see the game. Huddle is going to provide your school, your coaches, your athletes with the tools that they need to perform at the highest level. Huddle's going to make sure it's a professional grade solution to the challenges that we all face as athletic directors. At Huddle, we believe in sports and teams believe in Huddle. Go to huddle.com, join the 6 million users and turn your school into a Huddle school. We also want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive indoor score tables and video boards. Their products not only generate income for your athletic department, but they also create the ultimate game day experience for your student athletes. One of the best purchases I ever made was our Sideline Interactive Indoor Score Table. Go to sidelineinteractive.com, schedule a live web demo to see their tables and their boards in action. That's sidelineinteractive.com. And we want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Go to athleticsurveys.com. They're going to create a custom survey that allows you to take the pulse of your parents and your student athletes. ADs usually only hear back from the complainers and that squeaky wheel parent or maybe a frustrated athlete. And we need to hear back from them, but we also need to hear from the 98% that love and support our program 
And that's where Athletic Surveys comes in. Go to athleticsurveys.com. The survey they create will help you, as I said, take the pulse of your parents and your student athletes. That's athleticsurveys.com. Let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We have got a true master athletic administrator with us today and a lot of cool connections. Uh, our guest is Kevin Bryant. As I mentioned, he is a certified master athletic administrator, a longtime athletic director at a couple of schools in Oregon, also worked at the college level, uh, extremely active in the uh, OADA, the Oregon Association for Athletic Directors. He's an author. He's a consultant. And he's my age, but he's still working a full-time gig. Uh, he is now the facility and game management coordinator at my alma mater, Pacific University in Forest Grove, Oregon. Kevin Bryant, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Jake. Great to be with you. Always great to see another successful alum from Pacific. <laughs> well, uh, I, again, we'll talk about you. We'll talk about your history uh, as we get going. Um, you know, we've been trying to schedule this for a while. So happy we were finally able to get it uh, done for our listeners. We're recording this on May 2nd, so it's going to be very timely when you're listening to it. Uh, Kevin, as you know, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So give us that bio, where you grew up, where you went to high school, uh, maybe take us up through those college years at Western Washington, then we'll take a break and hear more about your early career. But uh, what's the Kevin Bryant origin story? Well, thank you. I grew up here in the Portland area, uh, went to Sunset High School locally, uh, loved to play uh, tennis and basketball, was a member of a state championship team in 1975. We had two Division I players, ended up going to the University of Washington, had quite a run of athletes during that time. We won back-to-back -back state football championships as well, and so it was a, a really fun time to be a Sunset Apollo, and I had a dream that I was going to be able to play college basketball, and, and went and uh, walked on at Western Washington University in Bellingham and played for Chuck Randall, who was the man who invented the slam dunk rim, and uh, played there for four years, had a great career, more than I probably would ever have thought, and ended up uh, second in career scoring when I finished, and then played for a team called Athletes in Action with Campus Crusade for Christ for two years following that. Uh, based in Canada, we had six NBA-drafted players and traveled 150,000 miles in two years and played some of the best amateur teams in the world. So that's kind of the synopsis. Yeah, I mean, again, you you certainly touched on all the main bullet points. Um, I want to go back uh, to those days at Sunset High School. I, again, we're the same age, you know, went to high school at the same time in, in college. But talk a little bit about that experience. Sunset was, it wasn't a brand new school, but, you know, it it wasn't, didn't have a 50-year history. Talk a little bit about the, the culture and what it was like back in those uh, mid-70s. Well, we had a coach named John Wittenberg, who was one of the best coaches really in Oregon history. He didn't coach as long as a number of coaches have, but had a ton of success, Metro League championships, and then a state title that we won, a number of runner-up finishes, and uh, I think he finished in the top five, maybe 10 times. Um, but he was a master coach and knew how to connect with uh, students. He was a physical education teacher there. His wife was an English teacher. And we all as athletes had so much respect for Coach Wittenberg. And he was well ahead of his time in terms of uh, his ability to go out and scout opponents, his preparation, uh, his ability to communicate with us. Um, he had longer hair than some of the players on the team, which was unusual, uh, although in the 70s, not that much. Right. And uh, just never felt like we came to a game unprepared. So um, it was a really amazing experience. Yeah. Take uh, take our listeners back again. You mentioned the Metro Conference. I don't I don't know if they still have that. Uh, yeah, so many new got. schools have popped up. Yeah. Um, what were some of those rivalry games like uh, back in the day? Because the schools were very close proximity. So uh, you know, any uh, any memories uh, stick out of a rivalry well, game there was or two? Three Beaverton high schools were the Beaverton school district. Three Beaverton schools at that time, Aloha, Sunset, and Beaverton. Uh, Beaverton was the oldest, one of the oldest schools in Oregon. And so they had a tremendous group of athletes. Uh, Marion Parison Jr., whose dad, Marion Parison, was the head coach at Portland State. Uh, they had a couple of uh, 
of his uh, teammates that were well known throughout the metro area. One was the son of an NBA player. And uh, it, it, we just had great rivalries with those local teams, Beaverton especially. Aloha was kind of in a down cycle, but uh, Jesuit was in our league, which has always been really one of the best schools in Oregon athletically. And uh, they were kind of on their way up at that time. Central Catholic was in our league. Our league was pretty spread out uh, at that point. So we had an East and a West connection with David Douglas and uh, Park Rose in our league. And now, of course, those are all in different leagues because of the growth since the 70s. But And then now there's six Beaverton high schools. So it's grown the Metro League that way. They were connected to Hillsborough schools at one point. Now they're not at all. Uh, so it's uh, the six A's have really grown at the largest schools in the state. They have a six A classification system in Oregon. Yeah. I, again, you talk about the growth. Uh, I remember uh, I did my student teaching at, at Hillsborough high school. Uh, and I, I think two years later, Glencoe opened the second Hillsborough high school. And now, I mean, it's just that area, whole areas just exploded. Um, yeah, it's not about me. I, at the same time, I was across the river in Battleground, Washington. I went to Battleground. I was the only school in that district at the time. Now there's like seven or eight, uh, in the Battleground district. So anyway, uh, let's talk a little college. Uh, as you mentioned, you went up to Western Washington, had a pretty darn good career there. Um, uh, you know, what are some memories of that time up in Bellingham? Well, Central Washington was our big rival, and they, uh, they, I don't know if they saw us as a rival. We played them, I think, 17 times in my college career and only beat them once. So they were perennially heading back to the NIIA National Championships. And Dean Nicholson was their coach, and he followed his father. That's Nicholson Arena is what they played in. And, um, you know, we just didn't have the talent that they did. They had a number of Division One transfers. And the NAI, of course, you could give scholarships based on ability. So they had uh, every year were really tough, but uh, enjoyed, you know, Seattle Pacific, uh, University of Puget Sound, um, Whitworth, uh, Whitman. Uh, we played almost every school in the Pacific Northwest. There was the EVCO, the old EVCO with Southern Oregon, Eastern Oregon, Western Oregon, uh, Eastern Washington and Central Washington were all in our league. And now Eastern left us in my sophomore season and went division one NCAA. Right. And so the kind of the Evergreen Conference broke up. And of course, the NAI was uh, designed by uh, districts or groups. And so we were in a, the, I think District 1 was our NAI affiliation. But I love being away from home five hours from Portland, you know, as a college guy and having a chance to grow and be my own person and the chance to play. You know, I was probably a six man in high school, it was honorable mention all league, was my most memorable accomplishment athletically in high school and to go there and actually have a unique opportunity. I started 17 games as a freshman and kind of never looked back. Uh, my sophomore year, I was chosen as one of 48 players in the country to play in the National Sports Festival in Colorado Springs. And I look back at the roster, there's seven NBA guys in that group that played on the 48. So I was definitely not in the right place, but it was sure an honor to be with all those guys. They were much, much more athletic than I was and much better players, but it certainly was a neat honor to be a part of that oh wow i didn't know that that's very cool hey yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna throw a name at you you mentioned whitman college in walla walla you know one of my best friends from high school uh ended up going to whitman played football and basketball for him uh jay buckley is that name ring a bell he was a guard for them okay you're talking about whitworth or whitman 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 okay because i didn't know they had football they must have dropped football some time ago because they haven't had football for quite a number of years but no that that name doesn't ring a bell Okay. Well, and that's his fault for not making a better impression. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, let's talk athletes in action. Uh, I remember seeing those results, you know, they would play, you know, University of Washington or, or someone um, with that traveling group. Um, what was that experience like? Because uh, again, that was, you know, national and international. Yeah, we were fortunate in some ways. We were located in Canada in Abbotsford, British Columbia, right outside Vancouver. There was also a USA team that was located down in Anaheim. And those were the major college guys, the Marvin, the Delphs, and a uh, couple of big guys that played for UCLA. They had a really Division One lineup. Most of our guys were smaller colleges uh, that had, had great careers. Uh, so we, we were a fairly big team. We had a couple of seven-footers, a couple of 6'10". Uh, basketball, of course, in Canada wasn't what it was in the U.S., so we played every college in Canada two or three times, traveled to every province. Um, UVic, University of Victoria, and Simon Fraser were two of the better teams in the country, and we played them uh, annually. 
And then we got down to the U.S. a bunch and played, uh, you know, University of Iowa. We played Boston College. We uh, played a number of teams throughout. We played some AAU uh, with guys that had graduated as well um, as the year went on. And then we we played national teams. We played the Russians the year before I joined the team that won the 76 Olympics. There were a number of guys off that team. Um, we played the Yugoslav national team in 1982 that won the 80 Olympics and beat them twice. Um, we traveled to Europe for about three weeks when the Iron Curtain was still up and played in a pre-European tournament to get those European teams ready. And we played the Czechs and the Poles and the you name it, all the national teams, especially in the Eastern uh, block that were really quite an amazing uh, trip to be there and experience uh, machine guns and German shepherds as you drove through their uh, welcoming to their country and all of that. It was quite an amazing experience. It, again, I can just imagine that, you know, the sports uh, was cool on its own right, but, you know, just in the historical perspective and the different cultures, wow, great stuff. Thanks for sharing that. For listeners, our guest today is Kevin Bryant. He's a certified master athletic administrator, longtime athletic director in the state of Oregon. We're going to hear more about that. Let's go and take our first break. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to thank Hometown Ticketing for their support of the podcast. Go to hometownticketing.com. They're the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and to colleges. They're going to show you how to set up and sell tickets for your events online, not just your sports events, but things like school plays, concerts, dances, even graduation. And the best part, Hometown's going to provide you a dedicated client success manager. It's going to be by your side every step of the way, giving hands-on support. That's every step of the way. Go to hometownticketing.com today and check it out. Simple and easy online ticketing. We also want to say thanks to Snap Mobile. Snap is the parent company to an entire suite of platforms designed to help you as an athletic director do your job better. You've got Snap Connect, Snap Store, Snap Manage, and of course, Snap Raise. We've used it at our school with tremendous success. Our parents loved it. Our coaches loved it. And it works. They've helped schools just like yours raise over $700 million. They even have a program where you can get your funding before you actually start your fundraiser. I don't think anybody else offers that. Go to snapraise.com. Check out the entire suite today. That's snapraise.com. Welcome back, everyone. Our guest is Kevin Bryant, Certified Master Athletic Administrator, currently at uh, Pacific University in Oregon, but he was a longtime athletic director uh, in the Northwest. Kevin, uh, after college, you had the great opportunity to, uh, you know, play pro, almost play pro, uh, but then I'm going to guess you settled into a journey of teaching and coaching, ultimately becoming an AD. Take us back to those days. What were some of those early jobs and how did that lead to that first job as an athletic director? Well, I was uh, interested in um, taking ministry as a vocational career um, at a college. I got a speech communications degree and was thinking about ministry vocation. That was the first step with AIA. It was part of Campus Crusade. And then after that experience, um, my wife, I got married. My wife and I moved to Eugene, Oregon, where I began to coach at uh, Churchill High School home of the Lancers, and uh, was there for three years. And then we moved back to Bellingham, where I'd gone to college, and I became the area director for Young Life for a couple of years. And it was during that time that I began to think more seriously about coaching as a full-time career. I was coaching up there at Seahome High School, the Mariners, and uh, thought uh, seriously about, um, went through quite a, a struggle, I think, of wondering if coaching was uh, something I wanted to commit myself to. And I remember hearing a uh, a story from Billy Graham, who was asked by a young coach um, what he thought he should do with his life. Uh, should he coach or should he go into ministry vocationally? And his answer was a coach will have more impact in one year than a pastor will in a lifetime. And that young man decided to go on the coach. And again, you know, who knows if that was braggadocia or whatever, but certainly uh, it impacted me. And I, I left ministry vocationally and went back to Western and got my master's in education and began to coach where I had played at Western Washington for five years. And during that time, I was also the director of athletic marketing. And I began to see that maybe my gifts were more in the athletic administration end than in the coaching end. 
And so uh, over that five-year period, you know, you're younger and pretty hungry. And I ended up uh, applying and receiving the opportunity to become the athletic director at Whitworth University in Spokane. And so left Western and uh, went over there. It was also at the time the men's tennis coach as the AD and also got to teach in their physical education program. So that was for two years. You mentioned uh, director of marketing and, you know, this had to be back in the eighties, early nineties. Uh, you know, now, you know, marketing, branding, it's all that anybody here talks about. What was marketing like back then? Well, pretty hands-on, obviously we were just starting, you know, the, the whole, well, a lot of the electronic opportunities were just starting to be developed, but uh, a lot of footwork, uh, you know, hand-to-hand -hand connections with people and uh, relationship building and got involved in Rotary there. Bellingham's a fairly small community. Western's pretty well known. So to have that connection uh, was fabulous. We developed uh, Viking Night, which was a fundraising auction and dinner that went on for almost 20 years. And I think raised, uh, by the time it was done, several million dollars for the athletic program. We brought in speakers. Our, our uh, first speaker, uh, sponsored by the bank up there, was uh, Roy Firestone from ESPN, who had just come from Las Vegas uh, to a crowd of about 300 in Bellingham. And they had consecutive speakers then each year. Uh, they had Dick Vitale up there. They had a couple of comedians um, that were helping to draw people to, uh, you know, the Frank Layden of the Utah Jazz was another right. that uh, we ended up uh, having up there. So those developed a lot of relationships in the community and showed us that we were you know, connecting, outreaching, and really made our athletic program much more visible. So that was and, kind of fun. And those are the types of events that somebody can do right now still, you know, in this day and age. Absolutely. You're bringing Absolutely. in those speakers. That's right. What was the transition uh, from Whitworth? You know, what was the next step? After Whitworth? Yeah, I... Uh, Kind of had the D1 uh, desires and uh, had met a friend in college that was the, becoming the athletic director at uh, Portland State University, Jim Sturk. So I left Whitworth after two years and came back to Portland where I'd grown up to become the associate AD for um, external relations at Portland State as they were making their move from D2 to D1 in the Big Sky Conference. And uh, that was a very challenging time. Um, a lot of transition. Um, with our leadership at the college, as well as uh, within the in the league, uh, and in the venues, uh, Portland State at that time did not have very quality facilities. We were playing our football games downtown. We were, uh, you know, at one point having sixteen to twenty thousand people come to watch Texas A&M Kingsville, and when we went to the Big Sky, the crowds weren't nearly the same. The relationship between Montana, Montana State, Sac State, all those schools just wasn't developed, so the interest level was fairly low. Portland State's, I think, the largest school in the state in terms of total numbers, but there's people from all over the country that come to Portland and take classes. They're not necessarily, you know, football fans or basketball fans. But men's basketball had been away uh, for quite some time. They had dropped it. They added it back during my time there. We hired a guy named Richie McKay, who I know has been Division One coach now for many years, was at uh, Oregon State and uh, was at Pepperdine. He was back east at uh, Liberty. Uh, a couple different times, uh, assistant at Virginia. And uh, Richie came in and we began um, uh, to reestablish men's basketball. Uh, Freeman Williams had been a name that yeah. uh, anybody from basketball uh, lore knows from the Portland area, was the leading scorer in the country when he was at Portland State. Um, we actually opened the Rose Garden uh, when they were just opening. And, uh, you know, 1,200 people in a facility for 26,000 doesn't go well. So then we were scrambling to get people to our own home facility as well as the Coliseum. And it was a really uh, tough time. Uh, we thought it was going to go much easier, I think. Uh, the, the financial resources just didn't appear as, as was kind of promised uh, by uh, local folks. And so it was a, a very challenging time. Yeah, I, again, I was wondering if you were going to mention Freeman Williams. Uh, you know, certainly people, you know, like us, you know, from the Northwest, we're going to recognize that name instantly. Well, you, you've had a tremendous career so far. I mean, worldwide, you know, Division One. What uh, what brought you to high school or back to high school? Well, things didn't work out as I would have liked at Portland State. And so I left and uh, began to fundraise again for Young Life. There is a property over in Central Oregon where it was a group called the Rajneeshis that had owned, that taken over a Central Oregon, almost 500 acre, excuse me, 100,000 acres of Central Oregon land became donated 
by a Montana billionaire named Dennis Washington to Young Life. And I became the chief fundraiser to try to raise $10 million in three years to put that into a Young Life camp. And so it had 500 buildings on site, an operating airport, and uh, one building, two acres under one roof that uh, was where the Rajneesh would do all his uh, speaking. And uh, yeah, we were able to raise that money in three years. And so it's a pretty incredible facility now. Uh, about a thousand kids are coming a week. The two acres under one roof is now the largest continuous maple floor in the U.S. is a sports center with a climbing wall and a sports cafe and, uh, you know, uh, was a quarter mile long zip line into a man-made lake, uh, Olympic sized pool, uh, you know, you name it. Uh, they've developed some great resources for high school and middle school uh, students to come over and enjoy. So that was a two year, three year project for me. And then from there, I went into high school athletics as an athletic director and, um, you know, just loved the opportunity to be around coaches every day and, and athletes. And so that uh, continued my development throughout this profession, which I think is the best profession in the world. Yeah, I, I, it's funny you should mention that. I, I wasn't aware of that part of your career. Uh, my wife and I just got done watching the, uh, I think it's on Netflix, uh, yep. the, the four-part series. Yeah. Uh, and again, we were back in Oregon when all that was going down. Uh, so. Wow. So there's a, a viewing tip for you listeners. Uh, um, our guest, we're going to take another break, but uh, our guest is Kevin Bryant. He's a certified master athletic administrator. And as I've mentioned, a long time director of athletics in the state of Oregon and still uh, working today, uh, working at Pacific University, which again is my alma mater. We're going to take a quick break, but we're going to be back with some more. So please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We also want to say thank you to Gipper for their support. These days, it's all about marketing and branding your athletic department. Go to Gipper.com and they will show you how athletic directors across the country are creating world-class marketing content for their school's social media channels. Promote your athletes, your teams, your coaches, your entire school. You'll find out how to do it at Gipper.com. Mention the podcast and use our code ADPOD10 and you'll get 10% off. That's gipper.com. Create custom content for your school's social media channel. We also want to thank Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. You know, they're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. The Wall of Fame is actually an interactive touchscreen video console that's going to highlight your school's top performers, both past and present in athletics, academics, and the arts, but it's so much more than that. The Wall of Fame is also an extensive content program that allows you to tell more compelling stories to better engage your audience. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com, check out their great products. And when you're ready to buy, use this link, vitalsignswalloffame.com slash Jake, and you'll get a nice discount. Vital Signs. Bring your school's legacy to life. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Kevin, you have taken us on your journey post-college, you know, uh, athletes in action and, you know, the college, uh, number of stops at the college level, and then uh, that your project uh, for Young Life in Central Oregon. Great stuff. What brought you into the realm of high school athletic administrator? Well, I wanted to get back together with coaches and, and student athletes. I missed that opportunity. Uh, I hoped I'd always had that the freedom to connect again and was given that opportunity at Aloha High School in Beaverton, where I was EAD for six years. And um, then a series of opportunities came up after that to be at uh, Tigard High and and then at uh, Hudson's Bay High School in Vancouver and then uh, become the district AD in the Redmond School District and then finally at Centennial on the east side of Portland. For a year. So I spent 16, 16 years as a high school AD and 16 years as a college athletic administrator. And uh, the high school opportunity for me was unique in the, in the sense of uh, really being able to dive into my profession, uh, make friends that have been long-term friends, uh, work on my CMAA, my CAA, uh, you know, develop some speaking uh, tools and abilities and, uh, and then to write. Um, but more, more than anything, I guess, to me, the thing that motivated me every day was being around coaches and, and athletes and the chance to see athletics become a positive opportunity in their lives like it had in mine. 
And uh, we had a tremendous amount of success at sunset. I never saw that happen as much at Aloha, but it didn't stop me from trying my best to connect with uh, kids every day and coaches to make it the best possible experience for our athletes. And I tried to carry that on to the other high schools that I was at as well. You mentioned a number of schools, and again, I'm familiar with them, let's say casually, uh, because I grew up in that area, uh, but very diverse settings. You know, Sunset, you know, there in the Tualatin Valley, Hudson's Bay. I mean, at that time, uh, I, I want you to share a little bit about the, the student population of Hudson's Bay, because they were a powerhouse athletic team back in the 70s yeah. in just about every sport. And then you went to Central Oregon and Redmond and then finished up at Centennial. Uh, again, another historic powerhouse, uh, particularly in football. Um, what are some of those memories? Uh, I know I said Hudson's Bay, but you know, uh, what are some memories of that time that, let's say, stick with you today, years later? Well, I think I was better, Jake, at schools that needed uh, help. I, I was pretty good at coming in to start things, uh, putting in together structure, hiring good people, trying to promote vision and uh, you know a future than I would be probably at a really good school. When I was at Tigard, we went to playoffs in every sport, every season for four years. I never felt like that was because of me. It was more the the neighborhood that kids grew up. We had good coaches, great facilities, and really good athletes, and then a weaker league. But to be the Aloha in a Metro league that involved, you know, Sunset and Westview, the newer school, and then Jesuit and uh, the Southridge, a new Beaverton school, we were always kind of on the lower end. Um, but I enjoyed the opportunity to try to create things out of whatever environment, you know, that's like you mentioned, Hudson's Bay ended up being that way. The, the man that I coached with at Western Washington, Brad Jackson had gone to Hudson's Bay. His dad had been the principal there and they are now, you know, not what they were at all in terms of their socioeconomics. So very challenging situation, more like Aloha. Uh, Centennial was very similar. You know, the, the central core of Portland now has moved East. So Gresham, Centennial, Park Rose, all those schools now are um, really challenged uh, socioeconomically and and obviously that has a huge impact on the education they receive as well as the athletic opportunities. So uh, to go to Central Oregon was just a, quite a gift. I was the 80 over two high schools at the same time that were 5A schools and I the challenge alone uh, was one of the highlights of my career of just trying to manage two different uh, athletic departments that were rivals in the same city and the same district. And every day I'd spent uh, half a day at this school, half a day at that. I got a, I ended up getting a hat with both logos on it. So they knew that I was committed to both. When games would go on, I'd try to stay in the end zone. So they wouldn't think that I was sitting on one side or the other. It became as, as frustrating as it was challenging, but I loved every minute of the opportunity to do something kind of crazy. Now I, I'm having a senior moment. What was the second high school in Redmond? Ridgeview. Ridgeview. Yeah. Oh, my which goodness. is, you know, new now it's 10 years old. So <laughs> they had this amazing facility and, you know, a bunch of kids wanted to go there and those kind of things. And they've now really are coming around. Um, they're not ranked. They're ranked first in the state in baseball right now. They've had uh, we hired uh, at one point. We had both football jobs open at both high schools at 52 applicants, including a number of small college coaches that were interested in. It's a you know great place to live and all those things. Obviously, it's uh, pretty expensive in Central Oregon, so that uh, discourages some. But it's just beautiful place. Uh, both about nine hundred students, and uh, compete against the Bend schools primarily, and mm -hmm. and uh, you know out to uh, Hood River and the Dalles, and uh, it kind of has become that league. Pendleton even so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, again, just the the names of my youth. Uh, I was born in the Dalles, so. Oh wow! Um, you mentioned um, the opportunity to work on your CAA, your CMAA in writing. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of young ADs that listen to the um, podcast. And I think it's important to talk about the journey, you know, certainly the journey you and I've been on with our state and national organization. So talk a little bit about that. You know, how did you get involved with, in your case, OADA and with the NIAAA? Well, there's a guy named Pete Lukic, who's one of the leaders now in our state. He's at Sunset High, and he's been there almost 40 years. And for a long time, Pete was a typical AD that was trying to handle all of his management duties and those kind of things. And uh, he told me when I originally started to get involved in the OADA, hey, just, you know, stay in your lane, just, you know, do your stuff in your school, et cetera. And, and now he's become this statewide leader that, while he didn't read much ever before, is constantly handing out books to people and developing resources for ADs and all that stuff. 
Um, I had a similar path, but it was through the OADA. And I, you know, there it's like many states where you sign up to put your name in as a secretary and you're elected and then you go through the chairs of secretary, treasurer, vice president, president. And I did that. And then in the midst of our, um, my, my year about to take over as president, our president, Greg Smith, who ended up going back to Wisconsin, left. And so I got a two-year uh, appointment, really, as president of the OADA. And that really jumped me into the NIAAA and being able to lead. I was involved on the credentials committee at one point and then actually helped write uh, LTI 611 and then was the national chair for five years of 710 on uh, you know current issues. And so it was a unique opportunity to meet ADs from all over the country, develop resources together, and then to lead. Um, I have a deep heart for athletic directors. I think what ADs do is incredible, and I wanted to do whatever I could to help encourage them in their uh, daily growth and, uh, and 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 hope. You know, our, our conference in Oregon is in April, and most ADs feel like, hey, if I can get to Sun River in April and make it, I can make it through the rest of the year. And so I appreciate the opportunity these many years to be involved with the OADA, and we've had great leadership out here, and our current uh, executive director, Dave Hood, is an amazing former AD here in Oregon and the folks he has working with him are fabulous. So it's been a unique opportunity. And then I have a tremendous amount of respect for the NIAAA and I very much appreciate my opportunities to connect with ADs from all over. Yeah. Great uh, um, synopsis of the importance of being involved with NIAAA. You throw a name out there, Greg Smith. Greg was the person that reached out to me and brought me on board for National Certification Committee. I had no idea all these years um, he was from Oregon, okay? Oh, man, he is so such a proud Wisconsin, though. He loved uh, whatever he could jab the ducks or the beavers because he's such a strong Wisconsin fan. Um, but we've appreciated the relationship that's continued all these years. He was way out in eastern Oregon. You know, he was out in Hermiston. Wow. And uh, then he, uh, he left and uh, was very well-liked here in Oregon and continues to be. Okay. Yeah. No, no, Greg's great. We see him every year. He helps run the, um, the uh, cornhole tournament for NADC. Uh, yeah. He's got that distinctive voice too. You can oh, he really him. does. Yeah. He's Hear him before you guy. see him. Okay. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. Well, talking about OADA you know, and people like to come to uh, Sun River. Hey, I would love to come and do an LTI uh, course mm -hmm. or present a workshop. So I'm, I'm going to put that uh, out there just for anybody who might be listening for uh, the 2024 uh, OAD conference. Our guest is uh, Kevin Bryant. He's a certified master athletic administrator, uh, tremendous background in athletics, both as a, an athlete as, and as an administrator. We're going to take another break. I know that's shocking to our regular listeners, but we're going to be back with some more. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to thank Huddle for their support of the podcast. Go to huddle.com and change the way you see the game. As a football coach, I used Huddle for years, and it was fantastic. But when I became an athletic director, I made sure our school was a Huddle school. And all of our coaches, volleyball, basketball, soccer, you name it, loved the tools that Huddle provided for our school, our teams, our kids. Huddle's going to provide a professional-grade solution to the challenges that we all face as athletic directors. Go to Huddle.com and see why we believe in sports and teams believe in Huddle. Join the 6 million users and turn your school into a Huddle school. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Kevin, one of the parts of the podcast that I really enjoy is having our guests share some of the mentors that they've had in their life. None of us get to where we're at on our own. Um, the expression that I use probably far too often, but I love it, is I still hear the voices of my mentors in my head. Uh, so do you have any voices that you still hear? Oh, you bet. Yeah, thanks, Jake. Yeah, a guy named Jim Eaney. Uh, was a boss of mine twice with Young Life, and Jim um, started his Young Life career up in Bellingham, Washington, where I met my wife, and she was working in Young Life Club with him, and uh, just have had a long-time relationship since the late 70s with Jim and Janet. Uh, Jim continues to be a great friend, an uh, honest uh, person I can go to that gives me great feedback, and uh, one of the best lessons that Jim's ever taught me is um, unasked for advice always comes across as criticism. 
And so I try very hard with my kids and with those that I work with to really reserve my opinions uh, and try to encourage versus tell people what to do or, and I try to live with that, that thought in my mind, but he's also taught me so much uh, about my own uh, spiritual life. And we've shared some similar family backgrounds with alcoholism, some things that we've had to overcome ourselves in terms of our bringing up, uh, growing up. So Jim's been a good friend. And then a couple guys in uh, athletic director world here in Oregon, um, Bill Bowers and Mike McGann, who were very long time involved in the OADA and the NIAAA are guys that I've always looked up to, respected greatly and, uh, you know, tried to be like. So those guys have been good friends and uh, their leadership alone has, I know, has encouraged my own. Yeah, I, I love to hear when mentors are still involved, you know, mm-hmm. with your life. It's not just an, a name from the past. And I know this for a fact uh, because I interviewed uh, a student athlete at Pacific University a while back that you are now serving as a mentor to a number of people in that next generation of leaders. How is that experience uh, at Pacific University working again with uh, some young people? Well, Jake, it's just been a thrill. I mean, I didn't think I'd get this opportunity. Our athletic director, Keith Buckley, you know, could have chosen any number of people much younger than me that have, a, you know, a kind of an entry level kind of back to the beginning kind of a opportunity uh, work wise. But um, I've got 50 federal work study students that work for me in the athletic department of setting up and tearing down events. And my boss, Kira Heim, is fabulous. We presented together at this year's NIAAA and then presented just a couple of weeks ago at the uh, OADA on uh, restoring civility to athletics together. And Kira is a 28-year-old Asian female with a master's degree from the University of Washington in athletic leadership, and she has been incredible to work with and work for. And so that's really helped, you know, my connection here to Pacific. And um, I, I really love what we have going on here at Pacific in terms of uh, care for our, our athletes and our coaches, um, how we are not a Division Four school. We really are Division Three. We want to be competitive. We want to be as, as excellent as we can. I'm amazed every day at how our coaches connect with our athletes. I just spent a weekend down in Sacramento with the crew team, uh, driving the van back and forth between the various locales they needed to get to. And and again, just kind of stunned by our coaches' ability, Coach Cop's ability to connect with our athletes and uh, the competitive nature of our athletes uh, and and just how bright they are. You know, it's uh, remarkable. Uh, I think the future always looks bright to me when you're around young folks like this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it almost makes me want to get back into uh, athletic administration full time. Uh, we'll do this at the end of the podcast. But, Kevin, if one of our listeners wanted to reach out, find out more about how you do things at Pacific Listeners, I think you've got a tremendous resource here or pick your brain about just anything athletics. What's the best way they can get a hold of you? Well, I'd welcome any contact or connection. Uh, you can reach me on my cell at 503 503- 515-5847. All right. Outstanding. Thanks for giving that out. Once again, our guest is Kevin Bryant. We've got more coming, so please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We also want to say thank you to Sideline Interactive. Go to sidelineinteractive.com, schedule a live web demo and see their indoor score tables and video displays. One of the best purchases I ever made as an athletic director was our Sideline Interactive Indoor Score Table. Use it for home games, of course, but we also use it for pep rallies, for signing ceremonies. Their products are tremendously versatile, and their customer service is just outstanding. Go to sidelineinteractive.com. Once again, their products not only generate income for your athletic department, but they also create the ultimate game day experience for your student-athletes. Go to sidelineinteractive.com. See what they can do for you and your school. Welcome back, everyone. We're visiting with Kevin Bryant, Certified Master Athletic Administrator, longtime AD uh, in the state of Oregon, also Washington, and he's currently the Facility and Game Management Coordinator at Pacific University in Forest Grove, Oregon. Kevin, one of the things we try to do with the podcast is this idea of sharing best practices. So uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. What are some things that you have done at your schools that you have seen 
that you're particularly proud of, uh, things that you would consider best practices that you can share with our listeners? Uh, anything come to mind? Well, Jake, one of the things um, that had a huge impact on me while at LOA was, uh, I guess, a feeling of inadequacy that our kids weren't really learning character on purpose. And I wasn't quite sure even how to begin to do that. And it resulted in me several years later attending the University of Idaho to earn my PhD in sport pedagogy and character ed by one of the leading sports ethicists in our country, Dr. Sharon K. Stoll. And so I went there and I learned that uh, the higher one goes in their athletic participation, the less morally developed they become. And that's what all the research says. And so I was kind of shocked by that because I assumed that by putting on a uniform and going out every day, that you're going to learn these great values that we espouse in terms of uh, educationally based athletics. And I've become more frustrated with those terms recently because I think it's easy to say them and everybody nods their head, whether you talk about sportsmanship or character or whatever it might be. And yet we really have no idea what we're talking about. And so to go there, to define clearly what character is, what it isn't, to realize that we have a social character that are things that we learn in sport, like being on time and hard work and teamwork and sacrifice and some of those things that I've learned are really social character and they're not bad. They're great for our everyday workforce, the social values that you learn through sport. But my professor made it very clear to me, Kevin, you could have well-organized, hardworking, dedicated, team-oriented car thieves if we didn't have a moral focus that was truly the character. And so things like honesty, justice, respect, responsibility, and the highest value of love, if those aren't taught on purpose, our students aren't going to learn them. So the, for those ADs and the coaches that talk about these things at the beginning of the season and then wrap it up at the end with a similar kind of thing, doesn't mean that that uh, our athletes are learning true character. And that happens when we're intentional. And it's the only way that it happens. Um, having it even on signs, I mean, there's a number of ways that we can demonstrate our commitment to character. You know, we have to model it first. Uh, there's education and then there's environment. If you're, as a coach, if you're screaming uh, epithets at your kids and yet talking about character, our kids are too smart. They realize you're saying one thing, but doing another. So we need both, we need those three things, you know, education, environment, and modeling. And so um, we have got to model the values that we espouse. And those values of honesty, justice, respect, responsibility, and love can be taught the same way sports skills are, but they must be taught. Uh, they can't just be caught. They can't be, you know, teachable moments that we use these phrases. If we truly want educational-based athletics, then we need to be focused on you know, really doing that and not just talking about it. So it's important we're specific. And when we tell parents, almost like a guarantee, in this athletic program, you're going to walk away and understand how character can be developed in your life. And when we're talking about lifelong values, honesty, justice, respect, responsibility, and love, I continue to kind of kid with people. You know, I've never had an out-of-bounds play change my life. But those values are the ones that really do. And so if we focus on those we're only going to be successful no matter what your win-loss record is. Those are the kind of deep dives into someone's life that make a difference forever. Well, you probably noticed me scribbling uh, like crazy. Uh, what was that opening quote? Uh, the higher you go in athletics? Participation, the less morally developed you become. Because the focus was totally on outcome. And uh, you know, there was a some study that was done, I can't remember how many years ago now, but they asked uh, competitive Olympic athletes if um, you could take a substance that would guarantee you a gold medal, but right. only give you five years to live, would you take it? And the number of those that said yes was incredible. You know, it was well over 50%. And so how can we have sport be the type of opportunity that is truly life-changing? Um, because if only 5% of our student athletes are going on to play college sport, what's happening to the other 95%? What are we leaving them with other than uh, dirty uniforms and some memories of practices, you know? Yeah, no, great, great, great stuff. Uh, yeah, that is certainly a, a best practice. I'm going to be doing some more reading on that. Thanks so much for sharing. Uh once again, uh, for our listeners, uh, Kevin Bryant, Certified Master Athletic Administrator, is our guest today. We're going to take a quick break, but we're coming back with some more. We're not done yet. This is the Educational AD Podcast.
we want to welcome a brand new sponsor to the podcast, District One. I want you to go to districtone.com for a better uniform experience. And that's district followed by W-O-N. And you'll feel like you won because District One offers fully custom premium premium uniforms. You've got one at a time replacements, so there's no need to have to replace a full set of uniforms just because you need one or two. And District One provides on-time delivery in 20 business days or less. Stop dealing with late deliveries. Go to districtone.com. Again, that's W-O-N on the back end. Click the team gear button for your free quote. That's districtone.com. And welcome to the Educational AD Podcast. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're visiting today with Kevin Bryant, uh, Dr. Kevin Bryant, Certified Master Athletic Administrator, and he's longtime AD. He's currently the Facility and Game Management Coordinator at Pacific University, a great school in the state of Oregon. Kevin, you and I were talking during the break, and you mentioned that you uh, wanted to share something with our listeners, uh, and I'm intrigued by it. So uh, what, do, what are you going to talk about? Well, Jake, I think a lot of my career, I look back and I think with the best possible motives, I was doing things for our athletes and for our coaches. And I'm not sure I was doing it with them. And so, you know, we can spend a lot of time and energy and effort doing things that maybe don't meet the needs of the people we think we're meeting their needs. And then we get frustrated or offended when they uh, don't return to us what we're looking for. So I think we need to involve our coaches and athletes much more in our plans we have really bright student athletes. They're very socially aware. They're uh, very engaged as are our coaches. And uh, there were a couple of coaches here, a couple of ADs locally that started working on um, coach capacity building seminars that they would do together with two high schools. And so when I first went to Redmond, I developed a list of about 40 topics and sent it out on a Google doc to my coaches and allowed them to vote on the topics they were most interested in. And uh, looked at those and five to seven, I said, okay, that's going to be our coaches meetings. And I developed the topics on PowerPoints. I have them available. If somebody wants them, I'd be glad to share them. But I got about 25 or 30 PowerPoints that we used as coaches meetings on topics that I allowed my coaches to choose. Well, you can imagine when you're at a coaches meeting where there's interest because they got to give input at the beginning, then there's attendance. So one of the things that I've always done is I think food's important when you meet. So I would cook these guys breakfast and once a month we would meet and we would share one of these topics and the conversations were very rich and very challenging. And I would look back and I think they were because I allowed our coaches to give input. We also developed a SALT program that I call it student athlete leadership team. And the same way, this is your athletic program. It's easy to say that. How do we make that real to these student athletes? So what are they experiencing? What is it they want to experience? And how can I, in a leadership position, do my best to make sure that that happens instead of, again, doing something for them that they may not want and then thinking, hey, I'm look at how I'm serving my athletes when, in a sense, I'm really not. So I think becoming more aware of the true needs and allowing input into this process will have more help than we ever thought possible and really practical, real help. Well, again, I, I love the concept. And again, athletic directors, you know, we we say we're coaching the coaches and but we're we're also whether it's direct or indirect, we're coaching the student athletes as well. Um, pick one of the, pick a topic uh, or, or pick a, uh, an instance um, from your your sharing program with your coaches that whether it was the coach turning a corner or whether it was impact with kids, you know, what's something that really sticks out for you that you could say again, with equal parts, pride and humility, you know, Hey, this was a good idea. Um, well, I think the good idea was giving them input. So we had real practical topics, but um, one of the, one of the topics that I remember us discussing in Redmond was um, trying to figure out the line between friendship and mentorship. And that became a topic that we talked about. And so is it possible with your young coaches that they could walk over a line that you don't want them walking over when they've heard you say, hey, we got to have a major impact on the lives of our students. So they go a little further than they might. 
or they share things that they shouldn't or those types of things. So even having an awareness uh, to realize there's some topics we might not want to talk about. And if you do, you want to make sure maybe there's another adult in the room. Uh, be very careful about, you know, rides home with kids and uh, connecting with kids on social media without people being aware and those kind of things. And they can easily lead to problems. Uh, kids can easily think of adults and want a more intimate relationship or think that, hey, this is what was being communicated to me. And so that topic, as much as I want our athletes to have an impact of a coach, I also want our coaches to be safe and uh, want to know what the, the real boundaries are. So it's important we talk about those. Yeah, so very important. I'm going to do it again. Uh, Kevin, if, if one of our listeners wants to reach out, find out more about, you know, some of the programs that you did as an AD or things that you're doing right now as a leader, uh, as well as your your book and everything else. What's the best way that they can get a hold of you? Yeah, text, uh, text or call 503-515-5847. 503-515-5847. That's my cell. And you can also find Kevin uh, on LinkedIn as well. Kevin, this has just been so cool. Uh, it's It's been great. You know, I, I knew of you, but our past really hadn't crossed that much uh, during our career. Uh, and, and this has just been such a joy, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always wrap up with the athletic director's toolbox. Uh, you certainly established for our listeners, if they didn't already know that, you know your way around the world of athletics, but we're gonna take our final break hear from athletic surveys who sponsor our toolbox segment when we come back i'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new athletic director on the very first job but i'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox so uh stay with us we're going to find out what kevin bryant is going to put into his athletic director toolbox we want to thank athletic surveys for sponsoring the toolbox segment of the podcast go to athleticsurveys.com they're going to show you how they can create a custom survey for your school, lets you take the pulse of your parents, your student athletes, and other groups. Athletic directors typically only hear back from the complainers, that squeaky wheel parent, or maybe it's a frustrated student athlete. And we need to hear back from them, but we also need to hear from the 98% that love and support our program. And that's where Athletic Surveys comes in. Their survey is going to let you, as I said, take the pulse of these groups on campus. And that's tremendously valuable information to have when you're talking with a squeaky wheel parent or a school board member or your principal. So go to athleticsurveys.com. Let them help you take your athletic department from good to great. Well, it's that time of the podcast. We have just spent uh, a great time with uh, Kevin Bryant, longtime athletic director, uh, high school, college administrator, currently um, still working at Pacific University in Forest Grove, Oregon. Uh, but right now I'm going to challenge Kevin to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job, but I'm only going to let him put three things in their toolbox. So Kevin, what three items are going to go into your athletic director toolbox? Well, the first one would be vision. Um, the Bible says without a vision, the people perish. And I think our communities and our coaches need to know, our student athletes need to know what direction we're headed. So I think vision's uh, one place. There's a great book called Visioneering. I would encourage anyone to read about having a vision. Uh, the second would be uh, organization. Um, you know, we don't need someone who's so kind of heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. You know, we need to have them see a, a big picture. But at the same time, as you know, if we aren't taking care of buses and officials and all those things, it doesn't matter how big your vision is. So you need to be organized and, and take care of, uh, of those things. And then thirdly, I think uh, you've got to have an impact. To me, the you know, salt thing that I talked about, uh, develop relationships with student athletes. Don't get so disconnected by all the different things that you have to do that somehow you lose track of actually being able to impact the lives of student athletes directly. You know, I've heard, uh, I heard that book mentioned uh, recently, uh, Visionaries. I'll, I'll put you on the spot again. Uh, do you have the author off the top of your head? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> Visioneering is what Visioneering. it's called. Visioneering. Yeah. And it's a, it's a pastor. I wasn't really aware it was a spiritual book, but it's about rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem. And the father of the pastor just recently passed away. He was a National League TV 
national TV pastor. It's the son that wrote the book. And I think he's in Texas right now, but uh, just had a huge impact on me in terms of my own personal life. Uh, if I had the courage to really pursue a, a vision in my life. So. Well, uh, again, great tools. Um, you know, I, I, I love the relationships. I love the organization stuff. And again, we, we already shared uh, uh, book recommendations with each other. Kevin, uh, again, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Uh, all the best as you uh, continue to mentor uh, the next generation of leaders at Pacific University. And uh, next time uh, we get back to Oregon, which will probably be sometime this summer, definitely going to hook you, uh, look uh, to hook up with you guys. That's great. I can't wait to, to see you in person. Okay. For our listeners, um, we do this just about every day and we upload the Zoom recordings to the Educational Lady Podcast YouTube channel. We appreciate you listening. Come back next time for another great interview and just about every day for new content on the Educational Lady Podcast. We'll see you next time.